Uh, a phrase I heard grow, or I hated growing up was there's food at home. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There's food at home. Everyone's like, yeah, that kind of strikes, strikes a nerve. I hated that phrase because uh, it would usually be uh, me driving by, by McDonald's, seeing, you know, the Happy Meal toy and being like, Mom, can we please go out to eat? And she'd say, there's food at home. And, it, you know, usually it'd be like a crock pot or like, you know, I don't know, like, uh, here's the thing with parents is like they think in ingredients. So I would say like, okay, well, you know, what's, what food is at home? And, and they would say, well, we got, you know, beef and, and lettuce. And you can tell I don't know ingredients because I don't know many more than uh, just that, you know, olive oil is usually in the, in the cabinet. They usually re respond with ingredients. And I don't know about you, I'm more of like a menu guy. Like, I want to know I can order a number, number one, no pickles. Large. Am I preaching to anybody? You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? I hated the phrase, there was food at home. And the reality is, it was because we're trying to save money, right? Like, I don't know about you, since I've now gotten a job, make my own money, you kind of realize, like, there really is food at home that you should be eating. You know, you don't, you, I don't know about you, I go to the grocery store, buy a bunch of food, and I go out to eat on the way home. Uh, I don't know about you, that's kind of what I do. Uh, but you realize there's food at home, right? Because you're trying to save money. And the reality is, money for all of us has had a big impact on our life. We all come from different financial upbringings, whether you got to eat out all the time and you were bougie, you got a soda. You didn't have to just get a water, you got a soda uh, when you went out to eat. Maybe, maybe you grew up like that, maybe you grew up eating out every once in a while. Uh, maybe you grew up and you didn't know where the next meal was coming from. Because there's a reality that there's some of us here tonight that that was the case. Finances has had an impact on all of our lives from the very beginning. And the reality is we think a lot about money. And, and since we think a lot about money, God talks a lot about money. And so I already know some of you are here sitting, you're thinking, you're like, great, the money talk at church, right? Like, I got to hear about giving and, and tithing and giving to missions and, and just another talk about how God wants my money. But the reality is that God actually doesn't really want your money. He doesn't need your money. What he really wants is your heart. But the problem is that the gap that we dig between us and God is typically with an idol of money. Because we think a lot about what's on our heart, and the reality is there's probably more days for you and me where we spend thinking about money than we spend thinking about God. If you were to look at your screen time on your phone, you would probably see that you open your, your Chase Bank app, your Bank of America, or for those of you who were praying for with a local bank, uh, really trying to figure it out, uh, we're praying for you. Maybe you're looking at that app. You're probably looking at that more than you're looking at your Bible app. And so tonight, we're going to look at the reality that is proven by a study done by Capital One that 77% of Americans struggle with financial anxiety. 77%. And that, that study wasn't done on, on just the poor. It wasn't done on the rich, the middle class. That was just done in general. That 77% of people, regardless of your financial status, deal with financial anxiety. And if I'm like you, or if you're like me, I'm like, who's that 23%? Like, I'm trying to talk to the, you know, is that Dave Ramsey who's like just chilling with his money uh, somewhere? Like, I'm trying to figure out who, who's not worried about their, their money right now. So the reality is that we think a lot about money. And so because of that, God talks a lot about money. And you would think that the way that God would help us with our financial stress, our financial anxiety is, you know, maybe just like slipping a check into our bank account or into our mailbox, or maybe you open up your Venmo account, you see $100 left, and reality was that was just you forgot to cash out a couple days ago, and, you know, there's some money left over, which has a whole other message of God's blessing. You know when you open up your cash app Venmo, there's some money left, you like, it's like, oh, free money, I get to like spend that, you know what I mean? It's like, no, you already spent that on something else. Uh, you know, that's not the way God works. God doesn't 
work in the way of, of just giving you uh, more, the way that God helps you is by actually leading you to give more. Because the reality is God doesn't often work the way that we think he does. You know, what makes sense to God doesn't always really make sense to us. I don't know about you, but I would much more appreciate if God would just like, you know, if I'm trying to figure out how do ends meet here, how do I pay the bills and go out to eat, uh, watch a movie, how do, I, how do I make that work? You would think that God would be like, hey, I got you this month. But it's not the way that he works. I don't know about you, I remember this, that God has been God for a lot longer than I've been needed, needed to pay bills. Like he knows more than we know about how to provide for us. And tonight we're going to look at the way how God provides for us. Is not by giving us more, but by giving or leading us to give more through generosity. And so tonight we're going to look at the genius of generosity. We're going to look at what does generosity do for you and me that helps us with our struggles of financial anxiety. The first thing that God does for us when we look at finances and when we look at generosity, one thing that generosity does for us is it reminds us of who God is. It reminds us of who God is. Because here's the reality. We're all here designed to depend on something other than ourselves. And we know that. We know that we're designed to depend on something other than ourselves. And so what we look for to provide for us is maybe our job, our resumes, our talents. We look for those to provide for us. We look for something to provide for us rather than someone we look for these things that are never going to satisfy us, never going to complete us, never going to provide for us, and instead, we just spend it all on our own. Do we have any Parks and Recs fans here? Anybody Parks and Recs fan? We're going to pray for everybody who didn't raise their hand because Parks and Rec, it's not the office, but it's close. One of my favorite characters in all of TV is Tom Haverford. Does anyone know who I'm talking about? Tom Haverford. I love Tom Haverford. And in season four of Parks and Rec, him and Donna... Uh, they, they have what they call, they celebrate this annually, Treat Yourself Day. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Treat Yourself. I, yeah, come on. Treat Yourself Day. Uh, treat Yourself is incredible, right? It's a day, it's pretty straightforward, where the only rule is you have to spend money on yourself. That's the only rule. It sounds like awful, right? You got to spend money all on yourself. And it's like the worst. No, it's, it's incredible. The problem is, it's not usually an annual day. For some of y'all, that's just like Saturday, right? It's just Saturday's treat yourself day. Um, because here's, here's the reality I want to look at tonight is that when we think of generosity, it kind of sounds like this far away, hard to attain uh, practice in life. But I actually believe that we are way more generous than we think we are. We're way more generous than we think we are because the problem is we just spend that generosity on ourselves. We buy things for ourselves. Uh, we go out to eat. Am I preaching to anybody here? We buy tickets to Taylor Swift concerts. Uh, I don't know about you. My, uh, my uh, wife has been begging me to buy less sleeves of golf balls uh, because, let's be real, they're not making it to the fourth hole. They're, they're going to be gone by, by then. We, we have this ability to be generous beyond what we think. And I, I want to convince you tonight that you actually have the ability to be so generous it will surprise you, that you'll be able to be a blessing to others because that's actually how you were designed to live. The problem is we live in this, what's called treat yourself cycle, okay? I want to preach this to you tonight. The treat yourself cycle is this. It's we spend, therefore we lack, and since we lack, we fear. And all this cycle does is just bring us more and more focused on ourselves. And so tonight what I want to introduce to you is the generosity cycle. It goes like this. It's we give, God multiplies, 
and our faith grows. And this cycle isn't uh, man-made. It's actually God-ordained. Because if you look in your Bibles, uh, in Proverbs uh, chapter 11, if you're, if you're uh, a good Christian, you're looking up on your Bible app right now. Um, we're going to look in verses 24 and 25. That was a joke, by the way. Uh, 24 and 25. And while you're looking, uh, I'll give you just kind of a little bit of what Proverbs is if you're new to church and uh, the Bible is kind of a new concept for you. Proverbs is uh, a book in the Old Testament. Uh, that really is just a bunch of little nuggets of wisdom of how to live your life, how to handle your money, um, your, your finances, your family. Uh, it's a really, really great book that I would encourage all of you uh, to read. But in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24, uh, it starts by saying this, that generosity brings prosperity, but withholding from charity brings poverty. Those who live to bless others will have blessings heaped upon them. And the one who pours out his life to pour out blessings will be saturated with favor. I love the Proverbs because they're always quick and like to the point. Because I don't know about you, but I have times in my life where I'm like, God, why can't you just, you know, be so black and white? Why can't you be so clear? And then we hear uh, <laughs> verses that's like, generosity brings prosperity. And we're like, ah, I don't know if like that's going to work for me in this kind of season of life. And God becomes real clear that when we give, we actually prosper. There's this genius to generosity that when we give, we actually get to have things given to us. And generosity does this for us because it's all built on the foundation of who God is. What did I say earlier? What does generosity do? It reminds us of who God is. It reminds us that he is the one we should depend on. In Matthew 6, there's a, a commonly tattooed uh, verse of the Bible uh, that talks about how uh, Jesus tells his disciple to uh, consider the birds. Do you think that they worry about their existence? They don't plant or reap or, or store up food, yet your heavenly Father provides them with food. Aren't you much more valuable to your Father than they? So which one of you, by worrying, can add anything to your life? And maybe for some of you tonight, this is all you really need to hear. That God loves you. That God cares about you. That your thoughts are his thoughts. That he's thinking about you that he sees you as valuable, and that he wants to provide for you. He wants you to depend on him. Knowing God and knowing who he is is the foundation of generosity. It's the foundation because it's not until we have a healthy view of God that we can really have a healthy view of money. It starts with your relationship with God. When we're generous, it, it proves who our trust is in. When we're generous, we are not believing in ourselves, but believing in God to provide. And the good thing about God is that he always comes through, and that he'll always meet your needs. In fact, in, in the Bible, it says in Philippians 4, Paul says that every need that you have, that God will provide for you. And this, this can be taken to a place even besides just finances, Maybe if we, we step away from the conversation of, of money and possessions and, and maybe you're here and you're like, God, I just want to know what's next in my life. Or God, I, I don't know why I'm not in a relationship yet. Or uh, God, there's this, there's this worry in my life and I, I just don't understand it. Why are you putting me through this? God, I just need this. I need that. But I want to let you know that everything that you need, God has given you. God has provided. The difference is it's just not all of your wants that God provides. It's all of your needs. And this should excite us. This should comfort us. This should inspire us to be generous, knowing that I can never outgive God. 
I can never outgive God. That no matter how much I give, God will always provide for us. When we're generous, it proves that we can depend on God. The second thing that makes generosity so genius, the second thing that generosity does for us is it shifts our focus to others. Have you ever noticed that most of the time when, when you're worried about something, it's typically about yourself? Like, worry is almost, uh, if I'm being honest for myself, one of the most selfish things that I can do. Because typically when you're worried, yes, you'll be worried about your friends occasionally, but most of the time when you're worried or anxious, it has to do with something about yourself. When we're anxious about our money, it's, it's not typically because we're, we're looking to provide and buy a, a movie ticket for our friend or, or, God, I just really hope that I can, you know, pr- pay the bill for, for my friend. It's typically about how we are in our current state. But the genius thing about generosity is that when we give towards others, our thoughts shift towards others. And so if, if worry is when we get paralyzed by our thoughts, usually inwardly, when we give, those thoughts go away. Because our thoughts are no longer about ourselves, but about those around us. We don't think that as much about what we can get. We don't think as much as what we can get. We think as how much can I give? Have you ever bought something and instantly regretted it? Like right as you buy it, you're like, I have no idea why I did that. I want to let you know you'll never regret generosity. You'll never regret generosity. You'll never regret giving to someone else because that's what you were designed to do. I love a different translation of the same passage that we've been reading in Proverbs 11. It says that that the generous will prosper and that those who live to refresh others will be refreshed. And it's kind of funny that our, our, our little question before I started was about, you know, what's your favorite summer drink when you're out in the heat? You know, for me, it's, uh, like I said, a mango peach Sprite uh, from Sonic. Just shout out to Sonic, honestly, in general right here. Um, really making summer happen. You know that feeling when you're refreshed by an ice-cold uh, mango Sprite? For me, it's a, a, maybe a Diet Coke. For you, it's a Gatorade. Or for, you know, healthy people, I guess it's just water um, with ice or however that works. That, that feeling when you get refreshed, that's how you feel when you refresh others. When you give to others, you feel refreshed. And it's, it's not this refreshment of when I give, I get money back. No, it's a, it's a refreshment that goes far beyond just this earthly life. It's a refreshment of the soul. It's a refreshment of how you feel. Because when you give to others, it focuses you on other self, on, on other people, excuse me. The scriptures tell us that those who give their life to bless others will be blessed. When you're generous to others, there's this feeling that you just can't explain. The third thing that generosity does for us, the the third thing that makes generosity so genius is, is it frees us. Generosity frees us. I want to ask you, have you ever felt tied down by your money? Have you ever felt like you can't have everything that you want? Have you ever felt like you'll just never have enough? See, one of the things that generosity does is it breaks down these barriers. It breaks chains. It frees us from captive thoughts and destructive habits. Maybe for you, it's you feel tied down by your money. Let me ask you, maybe it's because you feel tied down because you've tied yourself down. Because often what we do with our finances and with our possessions is, is we hold on to it as hard as we can. And then we wonder why we can't go anywhere, because we've held on to it for so long. 
And the way that God has designed us is, is to be a blessing to others. Think of it this way. God's designed us to be a river where God blesses us and then we get to bless others. But the problem is oftentimes what we do with those blessings is we become like a reservoir where we just hold on to it. We try to keep it all to ourselves, And then we wonder why we, we kind of like, you know, become overloaded by this. Well, we feel tied down because it's we're trying to hold on. And God can never bless a clenched hand. He can only bless an open hand, someone who's asking for the blessing. Here's the thing about giving. Is what action does giving make? It's opening your hand. And when you open your hand, not only are you able to give to others, but you're also being able to be given to. Maybe you feel like you can't have all that you want. The reality is you can't, right? Generosity frees you from this feeling. See, the reality is you won't ever have all that you want. But the way that generosity frees you is it changes your mindset to think, I can't have everything that I want, but I can always give everything that I have. You'll never be limited when it comes to generosity. This, this craving that we have for being able to have everything that we want, it's so funny how it's, it's, it's not a surprise because you're designed to be able to give freely. So there's no, there's no surprise that that same feeling comes with having. The problem is we're designed to be able to give and instead we usually keep. But how exciting is that, that we get to be able to have the ability to give as much as we want. Generosity frees us. Generosity almost never changes your bank account, but it always changes your heart. It changes who you are as a person. And the prosperity and blessing that God promises, you know, Proverbs 11, it's straightforward. Generosity brings prosperity. And the prosperity and blessing that God promises is the blessing of living the life that God designed for you. It's not a financial blessing, though it may be. It's, it's, the, it's the prosperity, it's the blessing of living the life that God made for you. And that life includes giving your life to serving others. To being blessed to be a blessing. You'll never have all that you want, but you can always give all that you have. Maybe you're here tonight and, and you feel like you'll never have enough. Like you'll never make enough. You'll never keep enough. And the thing with this is that it actually comes from a much deeper feeling in our lives. is the feeling that we'll never be enough. We often feel like we can't have enough because I'll never make enough. I'll never be talented enough. I'll never be able to, to fulfill my own needs. And the reason why you have that feeling is because it's true. Because God's designed to fill those needs. God's designed to be enough. God is the one who is enough for you. And we look to fill that hole in our life with other things when really it was designed for God. Some of you are here tonight and, and you've been living life kind of in a circle. You don't know what's next. You've tried things. You've, you've tried uh, satisfaction from people. You've tried chasing after money. And you've realized there's nothing there. It's hollow. And maybe you're here tonight. You know, I don't know why you're here. Maybe you saw an Instagram ad. Maybe you were invited by a friend. And you're kind of just like wondering about this whole Jesus thing. And why do people give their life to this? Why does this make sense? Why do people do this? The reality is that thousands of years ago, 
Because humans had made mistakes and had been separated from God, God said, I love them too much to leave them that way. And so what God did is, is he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. Why did he have to do that? Because the Bible says that the price for our mistakes in life, the price for our sin is death. And that if Jesus did not pay that price, that we would pay that price. And it's a gift. The Bible says that, that the blessing of Jesus in our life, salvation, it's a gift. But you have to accept the gift. It'll never be forced upon you. You'll never just accept it unknowingly. You have to decide to accept Jesus into your life. To say, God, I'm, I'm done living the way that the earth, that the world, that culture has told me that is the right way to live. I want to live your way. I want to make you the Lord of my life. And I want you to be God to me. I want you to be who you were designed to be for me. I want to give my life to you. And so in this moment, I'm going to ask that you close your eyes, lower your heads. And this isn't a spiritual thing. This is just a moment for you to be able to focus. I want to talk to anybody here tonight who is like, I'm done living the life that I'm living. That I want to live a life with joy and peace and happiness and contentment. I want to live life with purpose. I want to tell you that you may live, leave here and maybe you decide not to give your life to Jesus. I want to, I want to tell you, you'll never find it anywhere else but at the throne of Jesus. And so I want to invite you to say this prayer with me. I'm going to say a prayer that is nothing special about the words. It's just a heart thing. It's you telling God, God, I want to make you the Lord of my life. I believe that you are God. And so if that's you, and tonight you want to cross the line of faith and make a decision to follow Jesus with your life, I want you to say this prayer with me. You can say it in your head. Jesus I believe you are the son of God. Thank you for paying the price that I could never pay. I want to make you the Lord of my life. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.